Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. And I'm Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you this afternoon, Laura? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Good. Yes. Did you have a nice time on your weekend outing, your weekend trip out of town? We, we had a very nice visit. We went and saw my husband's parents. In Atlanta, and they're both doing pretty well, and it was nice to see them. So, yeah, it was good. And Indiana won. Did I mention that? I was going to say, let's hear our sports segment. We had lots of basketball over the weekend. Oh, Indiana beat Michigan. And, of course, Bill graduated from Michigan, so needless to end, but he got a master's at IU. I'm very fond of reminding him. But, of course, his heart is with his undergraduate school of um, – so he's very yeah. pro Michigan when they play Indiana. So Indiana won. It was a great win. It was awesome. Well, I went to sleep through the third quarter. I think I said you then. We were kind of texting back and forth and teasing you <laughs> that I'd had enough Hoosier hysteria for one night, and I went to sleep. But it was a, it well, was you a missed it, man. They were good. They played really hey, I well. I hope you realize this, but I don't get quite as excited about IU basketball as you do. <laughs> Oh, but last year I listened to a lot of Kentucky stuff, didn't I? Yeah. Well, and we are hanging in there this year. We aren't nearly as pathetic as some people think we are, but that's a whole – I could do an entire show on that. And John remembered today that we actually have uh, NCAA tickets that we forgot about that when they're um, in Indy, whatever, you know, I and mean, who knows what teams are going to be there, but we had forgotten that we bought those last year. Oh. So we're excited, and I hope we end up watching – some great teams, even if it's not our own. We'll just have to see. So Kentucky, will, if out. Kentucky makes it, they'll go to Indy. We don't know. You don't ever know that. That's always a secret until that NCAA oh. selection came. But I'm sure now we have some moms and some therapists who are thinking, why are they talking so much about basketball? <laughs> That's because we, we live in Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> and Indiana. I do want yeah, you're exactly right, all these basketball crazy states. I do want to mention that um, I published a new therapy guide over the weekend. It's called the Winter Therapy Guide, and it has ideas. I mentioned it on last week's show, but there are cute ideas for using winter and Valentine's Day activities, and I love it. It turned out so great. If you haven't had a chance to get that yet, take a look at that because it is uh, available now. And you can get more information about that on teachmetotalk.com. And myei2.com is supposed to be up by this Friday. We'll see. I'm not holding my breath, but I I think it should be up and running. So we'll have that new site ready to go. Uh, And I'm really excited about that. I did want to mention that I do have one more uh, structured teaching video with Valentine's Day and wintertime related things. And if you bought 12 tasks, for Christmas, it's a lot like that, except it's been updated and I have some newer ideas. So that should be out in the next day or two. That's almost ready to go. So wanted to mention that as well. But these therapy guides have been a lot of fun. And, again, I'm getting tons of great feedback from people who are watching them. Some people haven't understood that they're different from therapy tip of the week 
there were some questions about that. And so Therapy Tip of the Week is still going strong. I don't do those every week anymore. Every couple of weeks I'll put one on there. And those are still and will always be free. They're just shorter. And the therapy guides are longer. They're more like a mini continuing education event. And they're pretty instructive and you get a uh, booklet, a downloadable booklet that goes with it. So it's um, more like more like a DVD, I guess, but it's downloadable so you don't have to wait on that in the mail. So I wanted to reiterate that for people who are confused. I know the titles are kind of close, you know, Therapy Tip of the Week versus Therapy Guide, but when you're a therapist, that, you kind of name everything to say what it is. So that's why it's there, but I've really enjoyed getting those. And, and Laura, I um, said just before the show, before we were being recorded, I just watched the latest um Therapy guide, winter. What are you calling it? Winter therapy guide. It's kind of winter Valentine's Day, and so many cute ideas. And I was thinking, oh, this would work for that kid. Oh, this would work for that kid. Um, just really cute, fun. And I, I, they're they're like therapy tip of the week, but they're much more in depth. Right. Much more in depth. Yeah. Right. A kicked up version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to mention that, and I'll be mentioning that every time. There's the new one released, and I think I've talked and I'm to you about one with me. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I don't know if you wanted me to mention that that upcoming. We're going to do one together in the next couple of weeks about introducing pretend play. So I'm going to guilt you into it because I'm talking about it on the show. That's your thing, That's not mine. Thing. I didn't say it. You said it. <laughs> well, now it's out there. You have to do it. Okay. So anyway, all right. We're going to move on, and I'm I'm glad you said you're excited about the other one, the structured teaching one. I always like doing those, and I do think that the uh, lots of therapists don't know how to use those activities. And again, those those structured teaching tasks may not be for every kid on your caseload, but boy, when you need them, it's good to have them and to have a big arsenal of ideas for what to do with with those kinds of kids because so many kids need those kinds of you know what activities I had to really happen build Laura what? recently with the little guy that I used some of your Christmassy twelve step things. Um, uh-huh. all Don't sudden, call it twelve step. Okay, I know I'm not <laughs> supposed to say that. What do you call uh, it? I call them tasks. Tasks. Twelve step yeah, sounds not, like it's you know. AA or something. I know. It's a positive thing, one way or another. No, um, so this is the first time that this dad has ever gotten involved in really playing with the child because, mm-hmm. you know, he liked them and mm-hmm. it, it it made him more comfortable because he's a difficult kid to play with. You know what I mean? And right. so when, she, when we introduced these and he liked them, the mom was able to say, okay, now you sit and do these, you know, and she coached him through it, and he's he was right. doing them, and I thought, wow, that's really, you know, pretty remarkable. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's how they worked, and I'm anxious to get the Valentine winter ones going because Christmas is over. I'm ready to do some new different ones with them. So. Yeah, there's some different ones. There's some that are like the variation, kind of a just a variation on. Mm-hmm. The Christmas ones, but that's mm-hmm. good because I want people to understand. Okay, you can take this basic premise, and this is how you modify it for any time of the year. So, I think it's good. And I want to go back and mention one more thing about the winter therapy guide that's already out there. That 
therapy guide is full of ideas for groups, and I think sometimes it's so hard to plan for a group of children, especially when the children may have goals that are a little bit different. So I wanted to mention that, and especially if you speech pathologists and developmental interventionists, early instructors are listening and thinking, I'm so sick of doing the same stuff with these kids. Um, that therapy guide has some really cute, even like little circle time activities that you can do. So I forgot to mention that when we were talking about it. All right, but that's, that's done. We're moving on. Today we have a guest who's a mom. And Linnea, we're just going to let you introduce yourself. And if you were planning on using a different name, sorry, I already said your real name. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, right, um, yes. Uh, my I'm name sorry. is Linnea. I have, um, uh-huh. I have a son who just turned 30 months. Um, mm-hmm. He um, he's probably at a forty-five to fifty-word vocabulary right now, um, and I guess let me let me go back and kind of get some background on him. He um, he was born about three weeks early with an induction, just because I had a little bit of mild preeclampsia. Um, otherwise, normal delivery. He did great afterwards. Great FGARs. Um, but he did have some initial problems latching on, and it was probably about a month before we really got breastfeeding down, and I had to pump um, just to maintain my supply until we really got that latch working. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And then he was a smiley baby. Um, I mean, he was he had great eye, eye contact. He was smiley. He babbled. Um, but he probably only had about a word or two that he used infrequently at when he was 12 months. And I did mm-hmm. bring that up with this pediatrician at the pl- at that time, and she just said, you know, just read to him more, just talk to him, he'll be fine, he'll catch up, you know, just keep working with him. Right. And then so probably about 15 months is when I did purchase her Teach Me to Talk video, and we worked on more, and he got that signed down, and he would occasionally, you know, sign for food, but pretty much just more, and he, w- he would just use um, his couple words like mama and food or numb, as he would say. Uh-huh. Um, and then sure he doesn't say numb, numb, numb. Which one? <laughs> numb, numb, numb. I always do it like Cookie Monster. A lot of my kids do it just like that. Well, and I know my husband would get really frustrated because he, was, he wouldn't say food. He would just say numb. But I don't, I think it's an F, a harder sound for them to make. Exactly. And that really is not a word that a lot of babies use. So you were right just to go with numb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So fast forward to 18 months, um, he was still probably um, maybe a couple words here and there. Um, we would he would we would hear a new word like kitty or dog, and then he would maybe go a couple weeks before he'd say it again. Um, and we knew he understood a lot more than he was saying, but I I knew he should have been saying more at that point. So that's when I had him evaluated by early intervention, and the therapist would come out twice a month, and we we did see a fair amount of progress with that. Um, he would, he really liked ball. He liked any activity where he was moving and something exciting would happen afterwards. Um, Bye. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You're doing great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, right about the time he turned two, um, we were in the process of moving across country and I was very pregnant. And so I, I spoke to our, she wasn't, I'm not sure what her job description was, but she was the therapist who had come 
out and work with us. And I was like, well, do you think he really needs more therapy or what should we be doing with him? And she's like, yeah, I mean, here's some information, you know, to help you when you get to your new state. But he's doing good. And so I was like, I just decided to take kind of a wait-and-see approach. Right. And I don't know, I, was, I might have dropped the ball there a little bit, but we had a lot of stuff going on. But, I was going to um, say, you did sound like you had a full plate, though, because you're very pregnant, were very pregnant. Have you since had another baby? Mm-hmm, I have. My daughter is four months. Yay! Well, see, you've had a lot of life changes, a move and a new baby. That's <laughs> a lot. So cut yourself some slack. Give yourself a break because you don't worry about that. <laughs> so, you yeah, I remember when the time he was two, he had about, um, I would estimate about ten words. I wasn't keeping real good, great track about it, but it, we were we would be flabbergasted just because out of the blue he would say something like, I'm all done or where'd the light go? And when he would just, uh-huh. you know, basically say go on a daily basis or like where are these where are all these words coming from? And then it would right. be a long time before or if ever if we'd hear those phrases again. Um right. but so now Sean again is thirty months, he's very active, he's pretty social. I mean he's he's a guy, he likes likes his cars. Um right. <laughs> he um he's more interested Does in he kids. follow directions pretty well when they uh, I mean, can you say to him, Go get go get your car and he'll bring it back to you or go to your room and get something and he'll bring it back and just follow directions. He's motivated to do it. I mean he's he's also at that um, you know, stubborn toddler stage where, you know, I'm gonna do my own thing but if I'm very clear and very insistent, like, you know, this is what mommy wants, you need to do this now and he'll usually he'll usually respond and go do what I tell him to do. So do you ever worry about his receptive language? I mean, do you ever think, gosh, that could be a piece of this or no? Sometimes I do, but I'm not sure. It's just because he's distractible or he's being stubborn or um, right. or if he just doesn't understand. I mean, because he does have a very short attention, attention span at the moment. So he's pretty busy. He he's is busy. Kind of high energy. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of times busy kids, it's not that they don't understand. Well, let me just say, there could be one of two things going on, or really one of several things. But one scenario is they do understand a lot more than they kind of let on, but they're just so busy and so focused on other things that your language just goes over their head. And so when you get their attention and when you're right in their faces and they think there's a small chance that they might get in trouble, they listen a little bit better and, Mm -hmm. you know, seem to be, more compliant with those things. And so busy kids can look like that where their receptive language is fine. They just don't settle down enough for you to get them to do things consistently. There's another group of kids that are still that busy and that energetic, but they've missed a lot of language because they haven't been um, as focused or as uh, on as they need to be when you're talking to them. They're thinking about other things. They're looking for their next you know, set of stairs to climb or, you know, what, you know, their next point for them to run to. And so they're so busy so that a lot of language goes over their little heads and they really haven't made the connections that we need them to make. And so sometimes those kids, um, parents and even therapists will miss pretty significant or even uh, it doesn't even have to be significant sometimes we'll miss those receptive language delays whether it's a milder delay or could be more of an issue than a mom or a therapist 
would think about unless you really start to do some down and dirty analyzing of what the child can and cannot do. And I think it is really, really easy to dismiss a lot of, well, he's not doing it for me because he's he's two and he's a boy and he's stubborn, all those things. And all those things really are true for lots of our kids, but we have to make sure that we are really paying attention to that receptive language piece so that we're not missing anything. Because if they aren't, if part of their expressive language delay is due to a receptive language problem and we don't address it as a receptive language, meaning that we are going to do everything in our power to make them make those connections and make them understand. And so, so many times we don't treat that receptive language problem and then expressive doesn't get better but when we back up and think well no wonder he's not saying more because he doesn't understand enough to be talking better yet and so then when we really focus on receptive language with those kinds of kids they just take off and start to say all kinds of things because they finally really understand it now I don't know what's going on with your little guy at all Mm -hmm. I don't have that (laughs) because I can't see him you know I don't have that window into your home and I can't Mm -hmm. really tell you for sure that that's part of it I just want you to rule it out and so a lot of times I'll ask a mom do you ever do you have concerns about receptive language and they'll say no absolutely not no concerns at all or they'll be Mm -hmm. like you and I'm like "I, I don't sometimes I wonder about that but I really think he's okay so for moms in your situation I would just really, really encourage you to tease that out. Now, you said you're going to follow up with therapy now, right, in your new state. Mm -hmm. I actually have an appointment tomorrow to hopefully get a referral for more therapy. Yeah, and that's one thing I would do. When you get to speech referral, I would say to your speech pathologist, look, I want to make sure that there's not a receptive language component going on here. You know, he he does follow some commands at home when I can get his attention and when he can settle down. But I really want us to make sure that there aren't any lingering issues here because if there are, I know that we can address it and this will really jumpstart his progress. And so I think if you put it out there for a therapist like that, she's going to, or he maybe, uh, would take it very seriously and really pay attention to that part in your assessment and even maybe do some different things with testing so that mm-hmm. you can rule out whether or not that's a component. And I think that is so easily overlooked, and receptive language is kind of my soapbox issue. And it could be that that's part of what's going on with him, or they may say to you, nope, you're right, he's just busy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he has, that's not it. He understands fine. So you'll be able to really, um, I just want to encourage you to help tease that out. A lot of what you're saying about him, though, sounds to me like motor planning mm-hmm. is a big part of his stuff because you're hearing so many pop-out words or and phrases because he'll say it one time or a couple times and you don't hear it again for a long time. And that's something that we often hear in the histories of children who have motor planning issues or apraxia. And mm-hmm. he's probably not real severe because he's already made some progress. And when we were talking back and forth, um, I think Facebook is how we started connecting. Yeah, and when we were first talking about that, I I really, you know, remember saying, 
you've done a good job with getting if with him having you know two words at 18 months and then 10 words at 24 months and now you're up to 40 to 50 words don't discount your progress with what you've done and for some of these little guys especially these uh, toddlers with motor playing issues it just takes a while to kind of get things going so I wouldn't be terribly disappointed in that amount of progress especially since you've had a move in there and a new baby and haven't gotten therapy going again. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I don't want you to be completely dismayed because it wasn't your original question, how many words should he have at 30 months? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe. Yeah. And I was saying back to you, well, children at 30 months that they have typically developing skills use hundreds of words. But I always hate when I say that to a mom who's done so much right because I don't want you to feel like, oh, man, or, you know, disappointed in you or disappointed in him. Yeah, so what, what originally product. caught my attention was um, I have a weekly play date with a friend, and her daughter's a couple couple months younger than Sean, and I know girls tend to develop a little bit faster, but she was saying, like, you know, I don't know, four or five word phrases, and right. I was like, okay, and <laughs> maybe I need to yeah. look at this again a little bit. Yeah, and I do think that I would look at it if I were you, and I'm so glad that you've gotten the appointment to get a referral. Now, are you in a state that you have to have your pediatrician sign off on that referral before you get early intervention? Well, I, I believe so. I'm not – okay. I'd like to maybe go do um, maybe private speech therapy if if I can manage yeah. that just because I feel like they'd give us a little more attention. I think, like, early intervention can yeah. be a little overburdened, but – well, and you're exactly right. It really depends on what state you're in as to how often he gets therapy. I mean, some states really do weekly visits, which is what I would have uh, wanted for him. For highly committed moms, sometimes we do cut back and only see a kid a couple times a month, or especially in my practice now, I have some families that I see less often than that, but moms, they're paying privately, so moms are doing everything they can at home in between, um, and aren't necessarily getting weekly services. So so weekly services aren't completely required, but it is kind of the standard. So if you can work out private therapy so that you can get uh, especially a bumped-up frequency now so that you can, you know, get that therapy piece going again, that that's what I would try to do if I were you. The other thing is early intervention ends at 36 months. So you would only have, you know, a couple of months to get services going and then only have – you know, three, four, five months left in the program anyway. Mm-hmm, that's so what I was thinking. Yeah, so I think it's a good idea to pursue private. And even if you went ahead and did the early intervention program, maybe um, if if you can swing it, do both, especially just to kind of get him going, and then you'll have your private person ready when early intervention leaves off, especially if he doesn't qualify for school-based services mm-hmm. um, on, his, on his birthday because most – States, if you still need speech or any kind of therapy when the children are aging out or turning three, you'll get evaluated by the public school program and then qualify for therapy that way or even preschool. So that might be another option for you too. Mm-hmm. So um, but if, it, if it's true that it is something with motor planning and apraxia, um, when it, basically the more therapy the better, is that kind of how it goes? Exactly, or? exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, you know, more more really means from therapists, but it really means from mom at home. 
working on the right stuff. And, again, I don't know that that's what's going on with him. And, again, it's kind of controversial for some therapists to even use the term light motor planning or apraxia with a kid that's under three. But as Kate and I say on the show all the time, if the signs are there, we don't mm-hmm. want to ignore that that could be part of the problem. And there's really no downside to treating it like it's a motor planning issue um, because he'll have a better outcome anyway. So I think you've done great things by getting, you know, you started with signs and he's moved to words. And what I would want you to do now is really bump him up so that you're working on phrases from his core set of words. So you'll take your 40 or 50 words that he already has and start to combine them. And you said sometimes you're hearing things like, hi, mama, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like said that. he'll say, hi, mama, I go, I up, or let's go. Good. So you want to keep that piece going because the more practice he gets the sequencing, it's going to be easier for him to put longer phrases together. And also, one thing you mentioned in your question to me was that he wasn't using more complex words like banana. Mm -hmm. And so the more you can get him to imitate and repeat and put together those little phrases, the better those more complex words will be because he'll just he'll he'll just you know, get better at it. Those little brain connections will become stronger and it it'll get easier and easier for him. So that's certainly something I would do is just keep pulling little phrase patterns from his core set of vocabulary. The other thing that I would do for banana and words that are more complex like that, and I think we sort of talked about this on last week's show because I had your question Ahead of time. Didn't we sort of talk about this stuff last week, Kate? A little bit? I don't remember that we did, but that doesn't mean we I did it. I think you brought it up um, talking about banana okay. and long or multi syllable words. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And so, yeah, because I'm feeling like I'm repeating myself, but we'll say it again anyway. <laughs> but this is it's specific okay to her child. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's okay to really modify those words, too, to get those newer words going. So, like, for banana, Linnea, will he try to say nana if you just model that? Will he imitate you? Yeah, I've I've tried to start um, breaking it down more, and he'll say, he'll really get excited about nah, and then I'll, can you say nana? And maybe, maybe sometimes he'll try nana. I haven't heard banana yet, but. Yeah, and I wouldn't freak out about that or anything or get overly upset about that because he's still two and because he's a late talker, and so you know that he's had more difficulty combining things or putting things together. So when it makes sense, try to make it a little more simple with a word like that and then hang in there for his um, sequencing to get better and then those multisyllabic words will sound better. It's really common, though, for children to say nana instead of banana. Or, or not to have a, you know, those, those more difficult uh, three-syllable words. And actually, if you can get um, phrases going a little more, where he's doing three and four syllables within a phrase, sometimes those words will go ahead and come in just because he's gotten the whole, you know, he can just do, he can sequence more syllables together. So um, that that's going to get a little easier for him. Anyway, so try things like we talked about last week, I think, with bye-bye, dada, or night-night, mama, where he's putting four simple syllables in there, you know, night-night, mama would be four syllables, 
And so mm-hmm. he gets that sequencing practice even with those simpler words. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, or you could do bye-bye choo-choo or any kind of – does he have a lot of two-syllable words now, like cookie or doggy or cracker or – I mean, when you're um, thinking about – I would about say the most words. of them are single, single syllables. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. he's, choo-choo is one of them. Baby, he um, he likes one, two, three. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or so Elmo. He likes like Elmo. That's another it. multi-syllable one. And how does he – how does he say Elmo? Does he say Mo or does he? I mean, is it Momo or does he? It's, it's, does he say it? He could say Elmo there, Elmo. But okay, good, good. Um, so I would look at those kinds of words that he already uses, pair them with other words. So he's doing bye bye Elmo because that's really going to help his sequencing piece. And again, when that part gets better, you'll see longer words start to come in. Okay. And longer phrases that you haven't um, necessarily worked on. One other question: um, Some when we had early intervention out, they had asked me some questions about um, basically his eating and his mouth, and if he still kind of you know chewed on a couple of things. And he still does that a little bit. I know he still tends to kind of overstuff his mouth um, somewhat. And in doing some of the exercises that they gave me, I noticed that he he can lick the top of his mouth, but he can't really lick the sides. Um, he'll get he'll get pretty frustrated and mad at me, and he'll just shove it um, in with his hands. Is that part of a practice, or is that something different? You know, a lot of the practice kids do that because sensory wise, he's a sensory seeker, and we mm-hmm. know that because you said that he's busy and he's you know, on the go and energy filled. So a lot of times kids will overstuff their mouths because they just don't have a good indication of how much can go in there and they're not really feeling all of that food there. It is developmentally appropriate for kids to kind of overstuff at that 24-month developmental level because cognitively they're working on size concepts. So you, so you may have a little bit of everything going on there. He's kind of working mm-hmm. on size. He's got some sensory issues. Did he have OT when he was um, in your previous state? No. Um, I mean, the stuffing wasn't horrible. I mean, he could, I don't know, he could, he wouldn't choke on it. But, I mean, it was, he'd, he'd have some puffy cheeks. But, yeah, no right. OT was from early intervention. So. Okay. That may be something that you want to talk to your speech person about and say, you know, I've noticed this. He doesn't choke or anything, so I don't think it's a feeding problem per se. I really think this is sensory-based. What kinds of ideas do you think um, that we can do? And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of just his newborn history that some difficulty with that tongue movement and with coordination. And we'll see that a lot in histories of kids who have motor planning issues and histories of kids who have muscle tone differences. Has anybody ever talked to you about he has, you know, a little low muscle tone or high muscle tone, or is it has was he okay with his gross motor milestones? I mean, you said now he's running and stuff. Right? Yeah, his gross milestones are great. Um, he's, okay. He definitely runs all over the place. Okay. Um, he gets a lot of practice at those, huh? Yeah. <laughs> We know the time. So does mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and we do see that in children's histories. Um, 
you know, for kids who have motor planning issues, it is not unheard of for them to have some sensory issues kind of, you know, on top of whatever else is going on with them um, speech-wise, too. Yeah, I'd say so, it's fairly common, really, that a yeah. fairly high percentage of kids who have motor planning speech problems also have a few some sensory things to go along with. I wonder, does he like, and this may be totally wrong, but I just, since we actually have a caller and I can ask you, <laughs> does he like spicy or real flavorful things? He does. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so he's um, really craving that extra input in his mouth. And, again, that's the whole theory behind why kids are runners and why they're so busy. Because for their little systems to really feel something, they can't just sit in one place. I mean, they have to be go, 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 go to get the same kind of saturation point or the same kind of feedback to their little bodies and their little brains that a less busy kid would get with less activity. Have you read about sensory issues before, Linnea? Is this yeah, new to you? Yeah, he does kind okay. of fit the, the hyposensitive kids. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I would do then for that is just keep giving him those spicy foods and giving, letting him have all that little input that he needs. You might bring out more uh, teething toys or do um, you know, frequent snacks or you know, really drink from a sports bottle that has a straw, anything where he can get lots of feedback to his little mouth so that mm-hmm. you, you know, fruit snacks or dried fruit or anything where he has to really chew um, so that he meets those needs and, again, gets that feedback that he's craving. I mean, that may be something that helps, too. And I really do want you to mention that to your speech pathologist so she can look at him and make some recommendations. And if she thinks OT would be beneficial, you know, that might be something that you would want to add or look at or figure out how to how to get at least a consult and some um, additional suggestions for him to address those, mm-hmm. those sensory issues and make sure that it's not really affecting um, his rate of progress for language. My guess would be he's not real severe because he's already learning to talk and already has some words, but at the same time, a lot if we put services like that in place for kids, you will see a pretty big jump in progress because they're, you know, it's everything will come together for them mm-hmm. and uh, you're meeting all those needs. Sure. But I would keep doing your... Working those working those movement things in, and you said that you've done a lot of that with him mm-hmm. to, to get him to talk where you're running or, you know, where he's yeah, got he a likes big all, He likes all the fun words like go and up and down and exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that up. That's hard sometimes, but you know, you have you to know be creative. That, creative with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know that that's how he learns and what he needs. So that you'll you'll want to keep um, adding that movement component and really teaching language of that too, because that's a way to hook his attention and get him to want to add new words to his vocabulary. So that's certainly something I would do as well. So, do you have any suggestions on how to add, I guess, more nouns in his vocabularies? Because he he's good on the verbs, or at least I understand more how to. Do the verbs, you know, incorporate them in the game. So I'm not really sure how to do more nouns. 
you know, really the best thing is just holding the object that he wants and having him request it. I mean, that is the the best tried and true uh, way to teach a noun is have it as a request. So Mm -hmm. instead of him using a generic word like more or please, start really labeling what it is that he's asking for. And it's so funny, a lot of moms have the opposite problem. They only know how to teach nouns. They don't really know how right. to birth. <laughs> but I would just really start labeling and having him request. So instead of instead of it being okay, if he wants a particular toy, don't have him say more, please have him try to say the toy name. Mm-hmm. And if he starts he to probably, really frustrated or... You know, he's, I don't know, basically just kind of pointing, grunting, and getting frustrated. Like, I don't know, he might be having a hard time saying it. Should I just really try and make it very as simple as possible, whatever the yeah. word is? And model, yeah, and just model, model, model with that. And you don't want to simplify it so much, though, so that he's stuck just with this core little vocabulary. But, you know, if he's, you'll just have to modify as you go. If it, um, you know, if he wants a semi-truck or a dump truck, you could just have him say truck, you know, instead of, or, you know, uh, or whatever he's going to try to say, uck, whatever the word would be, you can modify it that way. Nancy Kaufman is an apraxia expert who's spent her whole career teaching us as speech pathologists that it's okay if we teach sound and word modifications for children because Normal kids do that anyway, where they leave off sounds and somehow we figure out what they want, especially, you know, those harder consonants. And so if that works for him, if he'll try to say a simpler version of a word, you know, just go for it. And that's certainly something that you'll want to talk to a speech pathologist about too. And uh, Nancy Kaufman is the person that you'll want to say, do you use the Kaufman approach and and um, see if that would be a successful strategy for him. For some kids, it's highly successful, and especially the kids who are the most apraxic. My guess would be he does probably have the most playing things, but he's not, um, he wouldn't be classified as, you know, ultra severe or anything like that because he is making some progress and moving along. Does he you you still use any stuff. signs with him, I wonder? Um, please. He still use, uses please. It's, um, I don't know, I think, I don't know, he, he'll he say pla or ease, but he, I think please is still easier for him. And I, I kind of get the feeling he doesn't like saying it wrong, wrongly, if that's, if that's possible. Yeah. But, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it does sound like that he does sort of want to default to an overlearned, easier word. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that the case? And so I, I really would that, push yeah. him. I really would push him to use a, 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 you know, a different word. And if he's having a terrible day and is really, really frustrated, you know, don't let him. You know, of course, you're never going to cue a word 35 times, you know, before you give him something. You'll use that three to five word model. I think you said that you had uh, Teach Me to Talk to DVD. And there's some rules in that withholding section where you would just model that newer word three to five times and then if he says it in that time or tries to say it in that time, great. He gets the item. And if he doesn't say it in that time or try, he still gets the item. (laughs) So that it's still win-win and that he still feels like, okay, I'm going to get it so I need to just go ahead and try you know, so you're just going to want to keep presenting new words like that 
with that three to five time modeling rule, and again, that's you know counting how many times you try to get him to say it, um, and just keep pushing for new words that way. Mm-hmm. Does so he tend to be become very... frustrated? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I was just asking. Does he tend to be very imitative verbally? I mean, it sounds like um, not up until recently. Um, before it would, we would really have to work to get anything out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it is getting better. I'm noticing he's here. He's listening to us more and is, you know, trying to imitate more. So that that's encouraging. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah, and I would. Up. It. I was going to say I would do everything you can to encourage that too, and just listen to the words that you're modeling with him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really stick to his default. I wouldn't really stick to please or more or things that he says all the time. Try to really push for those newer words and still keep it fun and keep it upbeat, but you still want to push for those newer words. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he doesn't really have a reason to add. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no incentive, you know? And so, your wor- especially your words for things that he wants. Like, I, I think that you asked about, like, teaching the word milk. Mm-hmm. What does he say when he wants a drink? What does he do now? Well, if I'm, if basically his default is just kind of like, he will just kind of point and grunt, and I'm like, okay, tell me what you want, and I'll point, like, I'll point to different things around the room, and he'll just, you know, continue to kind of point and grunt. Um, and then I'll say, do you want, do you want Cheerios? I, I've shortened it to O's, and he'll say that. Yeah. Um, and then for milk, it kind of, milk comes out as kind of meh, or meh, I don't know. And that's but, okay. And that's okay. I mean, articulation, lots and lots and lots of weight suckers have issues with their getting the right sounds in the right places for a long time, and I, I do not think you should be over-concerned about that at this point. You just really want to get his language caught up. You know what I would start really doing is when you know that he wants milk, I would just give really strong cues by saying, tell mommy milk, say milk, you say it, tell me milk, so mm-hmm. that he gets that firm model for what he should say and so that he's hearing that word a lot um, okay. and not just and not just saying, tell me what you want. You know, I would really do the whole direct cue, tell mommy, you know, whatever it is that he wants. And, again, that auditory bombardment piece or that saying it, the word that he's supposed to say over and over and over, that really helps kids become stronger imitators because you, you're giving them a more direct model of what to imitate. And some parents and some therapists think, oh, I'm just going to make him a little parrot here. He's just going to imitate or echo. Kids mm-hmm. like this really need a ton of imitation practice. And so start really upping the amount of cueing that you're giving him to. And even if you have to get in his little face so that he's paying attention when you're doing it. And, again, it may not be completely um, 100% pleasant, but do everything you can to make it fun. I mean, some kids kind of balk at that increased pressure. But my sense is if you can keep it pretty fun but still increase the increase your expectations a little bit that you'll start to hear more. Is that the sense that you're getting to, Kate? Yeah, it sounds like he's just getting there now, so he's he's kind of telling you he's okay, he can play the game now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think Laura's right. Don't let him necessarily get away with the handful of things he's been using. You were thrilled to get those, but now it's time to up, I call it upping the ante a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
and she's right, lots and lots of modeling, so he hears it, he hears it, he hears it, he hears it, and then you say, you say it, and see mm-hmm. if you can't get it. I also like, I would still encourage him to use some signs there, because at least if you're getting nothing, you might get a sign, and I think that that motor planning piece, doing signs, kind of helps the motor planning part of speech somehow, so he certainly does, not, yeah. it's not, it's not going to hurt him to do that, Um I think sometimes for for kids with motor planning problems, when you give them the sign, it takes a little bit of the verbal pressure off, and sometimes mm-hmm. they get the sign, and before long they're saying milk, and they're signing it, and it kind of helps. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're giving them the model, but it's not quite as – because when you push a, a motor planning kid too hard, they can sometimes uh, stall out on you. So you, I think yeah. the signs help kind of – distract them somehow into doing it and then voila saying it so just the thought you might want to keep some of those up especially with those words that you've tried and he just hasn't gotten yet mm-hmm. so yeah but, but Mill would be one that Mill, that he's got it i mean i would think of that yeah. as check that off your list okay i would think so too even if it's not completely clear you know what he means and so i would count those approximations as his best effort right now. It may Mm -hmm. be a while before you hear final consonants consistently, and that's okay. It's not even really considered an error, a speech sound error in a kid in other three. So, you know, it may be a while before you really hear a lot of ending consonants. So don't don't. that be. He likes T. I've noticed he likes to um, actually add it on to some words. His favorite word is probably go, and then every once in a while he will say goat. But yeah. I wonder what that's about. Does he have another word for T? Like, is he doing like for night night? Is he putting a T on the end of that? Mm, I don't know. He he like one of his best words is probably kitty. So he has a lot of practice. Uh, with kitty, but okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's got some interesting phonological development going on there too, Linnea, so uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be a real common thing to stick a T on the end of a word like go, unless he's trying to add some final consonants and doesn't really know where they go yet, so he's generalizing a little bit and kind of sticking it in there. Again, boy, I wish this were a case where I could look into the phone and see him mm-hmm. and watch him play so that I could say this is going on or not going on or whatever, and so again, these are just our best guesses with no problem. This you know, based on based on what you're saying. So this is what I think, let's kind of summarize what I think you should work on. Mm-hmm. Add some nouns, especially those really functional, practical words that he needs every day at home, but you're not going to take a generic word for those anymore. You're going to want to bump them up a little bit and have him try to say the word. You're going to model that word three to five times so that he's really hearing it. And so that you're having him at least try to say it. If he's having a horrible day, you can go back to his default words like more and please or whatever, but try to really increase his vocabulary with some more direct cueing and some models. If it's a really complicated word, like instead of helicopter, you would say plane. You know, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, Spaghetti sauce, you know, calling noodles or sketty or, you know, whatever you want to do. Any kind of little simplification that you've heard other kids do, that lets you know right away that that's fine because children will do that on their own. 
Uh, you're going to do that. You're also going to bump up the phrases that you model for him to try to say, and especially if you can p uh, pick those from his existing vocabulary so that he gets more sequencing practice. Oh, I forgot with the single words. You're going to go back and try to add signs if you think that that might make it easier for him to get a new word that he doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Let's see his phrases. And then I really want you to follow up with uh, you're already on the right track about trying to get speech going again, and you want to mention to her the mouth stuffing, the mm -hmm. decreased coordination that he has going on with his mouth and his history of that, and you want to be sure that you're adding crunchy, chewy foods in his diet and even um, drinks with straws, anything that's going to give him extra input to his mouth. And you're going to mention to the speech pathologist that you want to, uh, you're going to ask her about what she thinks about OT for him yeah. and make sure that you're adding that sensory component. Okay. I think that's everything we talked about. Did you have any more questions? No, thank him. you so much for all your expertise and help, and I really appreciate it. So. You are so welcome. And listen, do you have my Apraxia DVD? I don't. I should probably get that done. <laughs> I'm going to send that to you today, and thank you for being uh, as our guest. We so appreciate it. Anytime we have a real live mom caller, and I want you to email me at laura at teachmetotalk.com with your address so I can get that Apraxia DVD and mail to you to thank you for being our guest today. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks oh, for calling. Anything else we can do for you? Nope, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. A pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, we have another caller who's been holding this whole time. Uh-oh. So oh, I better <laughs> Let's see. Let's see if they want to be on here. Hi there. Were you holding for us or are you just listening? Mm. Okay. I think they just may be listening. What do you think? Somebody calling from work again. <laughs> I know, and I think I just disconnected them. Sorry about that. When you go back and try to listen to the last 10 minutes of the show. And then we had another couple of people call, too, oh my. during the show. So if you were one of those people, please call us back. Um, you can try to call back right now or you can call us back next week. But let me talk right now to anybody who's thinking. I want to call that show. Kate and I love any time you want to call, but let me tell you, we do best when it's planned. And I have a really hard time trying to shorten a mom's call who we've already planned for her to call and planned for her to be on the show and hurry her up um, if we didn't know that you were going to call. So our very best responses, and, and again, you can call without a, a heads up, but we really like it when it's planned so that we know what you want to know from us and we can give more than just off-the-cuff answers, although I think our off-the-cuff answers are pretty good as well. So <laughs> you can always call and email, or I mean always email first. And again, my email address is laura at teachmetotalk.com, or you can leave me a message uh, on teachmetotalk.com Facebook. I have a Twitter account, but I just can't get into Twitter. You could you could contact me on Twitter as well, but I do much better with Facebook or regular email. So hopefully those couple of moms will give us another try and we'll call us back, email us, and then call us back so that we can help them see. If they have, um, you know, some parents are a little shy about thinking, oh, I wouldn't want my therapist to know I called or, you know, I wouldn't want somebody to know that I was calling. Just we're always happy to change your name, change your child's name, you know, so it doesn't have your to be. Your state. 
Yeah. Yeah. We love honest, direct questions, but it doesn't matter about the those details because a mom doesn't need to know if you're from Indiana or Kentucky. If it's relevant to her or a therapist, then it'll be useful. Exactly. So, and I was just teasing that mom at the beginning when I said, if you were going to have decided to use the fake name, I already said your real name. She had already told us like two minutes before we went on. She was holding and already said, no, I'm fine to just use my real name. So that was a joke. I just don't want anyone thinking that I outed a mom's confidentiality. That was that was a little joke. Sometimes people don't get <laughs> she, had, of humor. she had just said, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I know, but then I was thinking, what if she changed her mind between the time we said that? So, anyway, anyway I think that's pretty fine. cool with it. Anyway, you know I one love. thing, Laura, about her that I, we didn't ask. There's always something, and we had the luxury of asking, and I didn't do it. I wonder one thing I'd probably as a, as a building strategy towards phrases is just to see, and some kids can do this very readily at his age or his developmental level and other kids can't, is to do words, the same word in a sequence. Up, 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 up. Pop, yeah. pop, 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 pop. And you should talk about that strategy me, me. and I didn't, I didn't uh, talk about it. But that's a great one. I wish that I we think we did the week before. Other. We did last yeah. week when we got, we always have certain topics that come up no matter, um, and, and he may do those very easily and he may not. Yeah. But I do think that that's good uh, practice for a child when oh, starting to focus on sequencing, especially those power yeah. words that he already likes. You know, he right. may be able to do them right away, which is great. But it does sound like, you know, her focusing on getting him to be a little bit more imitative verbally is going to be very helpful for him. So that's a new word. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and new words and not just hold on to because he sounds like I'm going to hang on to my little corset for dear life. Mm-hmm. And boy, have I treated a lot of kids like that. And that's great. I mean, a mom will say, oh, my goodness, he can say no, he can say please, I'm going to cue that, I don't want him to get too mad, I don't want him to get too upset. Neither do I. But you've got to figure out how to be pleasantly persistent and push a little bit harder. And sometimes that's easier for a therapist to do in sessions than it is for a mom. And, it's, and a good therapist is going to already kind of take into account, well, he should be able to say this or do this pattern based on, you know, him pronouncing or how he says another word. So I hope she gets a great pathologist and can really hit the ground running with um, a new person and really bump him along. My guess would be, too, but just with this increased focus, he'll – pick up a little bit, too, because they, they have had kind of a crazy past few months with a move across country yeah. and a new baby. And yeah, a new baby. A lot. But yeah. it sounds like he's at a good place for taking off. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's already made a big him. stride. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like I would love to treat him. Gets a little therapy yeah. and does a few little things differently with him, he'll be moving even faster. So he'd be a fun kid to work with. I know. That's what that's what I keep thinking. Boy, I would love to have him. That would be a ton of fun. When they've already got that foundation going and you're there just to kind of push them. Mm-hmm. So that would be a lot of fun. All right. Any parting words in this last five minutes? We're so rarely finished ahead of time. I know. I don't know that I have anything. Um, I know, nope. see, and I was hoping that our – our moms that have held on and called would would um, call back or, you know, and so 
anyway, you just never know how, how that's going to work out, do you? Um, well, I think we're just going to call it a day unless you have anything that you want to add or talk about, Kate, or any, any kind of little clinical insight that we haven't talked about in the last in the last couple of weeks, any pressing topic? Uh, none that are pressing at this this moment. Well, that's all right. Then we're going to get off five minutes early. We and again, for you people who were supposed late. to walk, yeah, and for you people who were supposed to walk an hour, keep walking. You've got five more minutes. <laughs> all of our exercises out there. All right, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.